This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best artists to you. Hey, this is Pete. This is Brian. And you're tuned in to a WXAV exclusive podcast here. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Brian, this is something you and I put together. It's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, uh, this was a really uh, interesting interview we did with a guy named Eric Malinsky. Yeah, he's uh, the creator of this absolutely wonderful podcast called Imaginary Worlds that essentially just explores imagination. Yeah, and it, it's sort of imagination across all platforms. Like if you listen to his show, which I highly recommend that you do, it sort of integrates everything from movies to comic books to television shows to books to just all to mythology to all he's all over the place this guy yeah he uh he even does an episode about like when a house is for sale or they're building a house they do like an artist rendering of what the construction project would look like he talks to people that develop those images so i mean he really is all over the place it's an awesome interview brian and i talked to him about just how he goes about creating new podcasts and how he does his research things like that definitely a show if you're into imagination science fiction superheroes especially there's tons of stuff on batman superman marvel universes like the whole shebang if you will and you can go to uh eric malinsky's official website for the podcast which is imaginary worlds podcast Dot org. Brian, this is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. This uh, I had a lot of fun interviewing him. He had a lot of great things to say, particularly because it's a great show and he's an interesting guy. We also learned at the end that he animated a show, Rocket Power. For, so for all the listeners out there who, who know that show, he had a part in it. So There you go. So we're going to get into it. It's a great 20-minute plus interview, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. For more information, imaginaryworldspodcast.org, and as always, wxav.com. First question for you, Eric. Uh, can you tell us what inspired you to create the, uh, the podcast called Imaginary Worlds? So I've been working in public radio since 2004, and I mean, right when podcasts first began, and nobody knew what the hell a podcast was. And then, you know, and I was listening to them when it was just, you know, I think on the media from uh, WNYC was one of the first shows that was just a podcast that you could listen to. And, and for me, moving to New York around that time, I needed stuff to listen to on my iPod uh, in the subway where there's no reception because I was so used to being in L.A. and getting, you know, uh, car radio reception. So uh, I was a, like, really early adopter to podcasts. I mean, like, literally when they started, which I think was 2005. And so I just listened to the way they developed, and then, and then these shows like, 99% Invisible was sort of the first show that I heard that was purely exclusively a podcast show that really just kind of took advantage of being a podcast where it was every other week and it was however long Roman wanted the episode to be or however long he thought it should be, which for me was, I just thought, oh my God, that sounds amazing um, because, you know, in my field, uh, you know, I work mostly for the show called Studio 360, which is an arts and culture show at a WNYC in New York and it's distributed nationally by PRI. And, you know, a long piece for me, a luxurious piece would be eight minutes. And even then, very often, I felt like the piece could have been 15 and cutting it down to eight, you know, just felt brutal. And that's that's luxurious. I mean, when I did stuff for like Marketplace or for, you know, uh, the newsroom, um, that could be, you know, three to five minutes. And so, you know, when you produce a, a piece for a show, it's very much part of that show, and you don't just sort of get to do it on your own and then just hand it in and say, you know, here you go. I mean, 
you know, the editors come in pretty early to listen to what you've got and give you a lot of advice. I mean, they'll, they'll rewrite stuff for you. Uh, they'll tell you what to cut. Because ultimately, you know, what you're doing is for them. It's, it's you know, you're, you're part of that show, and you also want to produce something that sounds like that show as well. And so I just thought, like, how great it would be to have my own podcast and have and you know and, and sort of get my figure out what my voice would sound like if it was just me. And then it just took me a long time to figure out well, what would that podcast be about because how would it be any different than Studio 360 where I'm already working? I'm not the host, but I'm working there and I'm doing pieces. And it took me a really really long time to just I mean it was just kind of one of the things I just kind of put on the back burner for a while. And then then one day I just realized that I had so many pent up stories that I would love to have done that nobody would ever do because they're just too geeky, that there's sort of a, there's kind of a limit to how much of that stuff you can put, even Studio 360, where there's just no other show I could, I could do, you know, we did an hour-long thing about Superman, you know, I've done a piece about the Watchmen, I did a piece about Wonder Woman, then I pitched something about Batman, they're like, okay, I think we've had your filler. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you very much, but you know, you're not on the comic book beat. You know, we we have lots of and and, and I didn't didn't necessarily want to be. I mean, I love being able to do a story about you know opera or some book I had never read, where I get to dive deep into something I didn't know about. You know, it's, it almost feels like a graduate school program to work in public radio. To you know, to be assigned a piece about Mahler and be like, well, I don't know that much about Mahler. Let me call up the world's greatest authority authority on Mahler, who wrote this incredibly long multi-part biography who lives in Switzerland and then you sort of say you just say the magic words public radio and they're like oh yeah sure I'll talk to you <laughs> but yeah and so then I just made a list and I just thought well okay so what are all the things I've always wanted to do that I just feel like no one would ever do this and suddenly that list was like 20 episodes long and it was like my first season pretty much and that's when I remember thinking oh my god this could be it this could be my beat you know because <laughs> nobody else is doing this and then it took me a long time to just get up the guts to do it, you know, just think, oh, my God, I'm really putting myself out there. Am I really going to do this? And I mean, looking back, I can't, I can't believe it took me that long to just jump in there. But it's a it's a big jump from, you know, oh, my God, I can do this to I'm going to start doing this. I just wanted to ask you, uh, what draws you in terms of subject matter or even a larger audience to fantasy, imagination, science fiction? Why that sort of topic? Like what? What gets you excited about that? You know, I'm I'm of that generation where you know I saw Star Wars in the theaters as a kid, and uh, which I know to some people they look at me like I, I might as well have said I was in the Civil War. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, we and actually one of the future episodes I, I want to work on is sort of what the world was like, the pop culture world was like before Star Wars kind of landed like a meteor and just wiped out all these dinosaurs and allowed all this new pop culture life to flourish. And, you know, and, and it, it just it becomes such an imprint on you as a kid. And then going into animation, it was kind of uh, which was my first career. It, it was kind of like a permission to kind of keep geeking out and keep living in that fantasy world. And when I got into animation, it was kind of a surprise to me how many people were way more into it than I was. And even among, you know, even among animators, I felt like I was not I was nowhere near as geeky. Like I couldn't even compete whatsoever. And then I go to public radio and I'm like the geekiest person they've ever met. Like they're just stunned. You know, it's just a world. It's to be honest, it's been a guilty movie, especially when I started working in public radio. It, it, it turned into a guilty pleasure to some extent. It was sort of like 
there's some stories that are your broccoli and some that are your ice cream sundae. And anything that had to do with fantasy or, or, or sci-fi was like my ice cream sundae that I got to dip into. You know, I have a very active imagination. And, uh, you know, as I talked about in my first episode as a kid, I used to kind of quote Luke out, as my parents called it, where I'd hold a Luke Skywalker doll and just fall into my imagination. I even, you know, I tried screenwriting for a while, and uh, I couldn't quite make it work, but I tried for years. That was going to be another thing I was going to do between, by the time I left animation and then decided to go into um, into radio. And so it just taps into this whole side of me that, that animation was tapping into, but not really quite tapping into. Maybe not working in animation, but at least being in an office where everybody in the office had action figures all over their cubicles. And you were kind of a loser if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a it's a and the other thing is that it's a deeply personal thing too. It's the thing that I care about the most. It's the place where my mind goes all all the time. So I kind of want to jump on something that you said because it is a, a personal reflection for you because this is what you really enjoy. When you're creating one of your your podcasts, one of your audio stories, what are some of the approaches that you look at for finding a topic or who you're going to interview, things like that? What are some of your approaches? Well, the first thing I, uh, you know, first it usually just started me brain. It started with me just brainstorming things I was interested in, and then I just kind of do a Google search. And it's usually you, the other thing I should say is that it's also usually a question that's kind of there's something that's bugging me about it, something that's just just I I can't put it away because there's some there's something that I can't quite resolve about it. And then I do a Google search and I find whether other people feel the same way. Is there who else can I talk to about this? And sometimes there's this kind of moment of jackpot of, oh, my God, lots of people are talking about this, and they have different opinions about it. Wow, this is someplace I could go. And then some things I can't really find anything. And those things, those are episodes that I've got a whole long list of stuff that – things I'm interested in, and, and but either I haven't put my thumb on what exactly it is that – why I'm interested in it, or I can't find enough people that want to talk about it. But, yeah, I sort of immediately quick, – I quickly go to, to – um, is this something people are kind of talking about and debating in culture? And if they are, then I feel like that's that kind of gives me permission to kind of leap off and um, you know and go there. Are there any creators whose imaginations you find yourself drawn to most often? Are there any right now who you think are very exciting and exciting the public as well as exciting you? Well, I mean, I've been a huge Joss Whedon fan since since Buffy. I was I feel like I was one of the it sounds like so braggy, like I was one of the early people to watch Buffy, but <laughs> I definitely was one of the early people to watch Buffy and just be running around telling everybody the show is absolutely brilliant and then looking at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, well, I watched Xena for a minute. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't Xena. <laughs> this is genius. <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, I've always, I've always loved um, his work. You know, I've kind of, kind of, I've just sort of gotten back. I mean, a lot of the, to be honest, there are people that, a lot of the people I'm, I'm drawn to, I'm, I've been trying to interview. I mean, um, you know, I got really, really back into into comic books recently. And uh, that's yeah, one of the reasons why I interviewed Scott Snyder as well. If I can just touch on something you mentioned with Scott Snyder, that's one of my favorite episodes that you did. And in it, you said that in high school, you were a huge Batman fan. Would you say that's one of your favorite fantasy worlds, or do you have another famous, uh, another favorite kind of uh, universe that you, you know, find yourself particularly drawn to? You know, it's funny. Star Wars as a kid was definitely it for me. But I mean, my thing about Star Wars was that it stopped evolving. Those characters, you know, stopped evolving, 
And like a lot of people, I was not into the prequels particularly. I always say every time they come on cable, I watch them because they they remind me so much of Star Wars. And at any moment, I've, I'm 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 expecting it to turn into Star Wars, and yet it never does. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, I remember when when I found out that they were going to go back to the original characters, there were some rumors that they were going to reboot them, and people were horrified. And I thought, well, why not? I mean, let's you know. And again, that that's the reason why I, I find myself drawn to Bat. Why when I was drawn to Batman in the '80s. And just fell in love with that sort of the renaissance of the dark bat and the dark night world that Frank Miller had created and all the people that were inspired by him. That that character has evolved so much in the last 30 years and been reincarnated so much that there are just so many different – like I love a loose canon like that. But Batman is definitely the, the, the sort of imaginary world of Gotham that is probably closest to my heart, and, I, and I'm still trying to struggle to figure out why. And I guess heart's the wrong word, but it sort of like just taps a nerve in me that uh, I just find endlessly, endlessly fascinating. That Yeah, that is probably the, the sort of imaginary world that um, is kind of my default that I tend to go to the most. Just so, just while we're sort of tangentially on the topic, what, what do you think of like the new resurgence of Star Wars, like all the spinoffs that are being planned, the new J.J. Abrams film coming out in December? I have a lot of hope for the J.J. Abrams film. Um, I feel like he, the sincerity with which he's gone back to the things that people loved about the original, bringing back puppets. I mean, my second episode, I was you know reacting to the prequels, thinking, talking about how well we'll never have this golden age of puppeteering on film again. But who knows? I mean, he might be bringing it back. The way he talks about the dirty future, you know, the the things that I think. He's coming at it from a really smart way in terms of recognizing as a kid growing up what he loved about Star Wars, what was unique about Star Wars, and continuing that. So I think the J.J. Abrams films are going to probably, or at least the first one, is going to be great. My concern in a way is that, and this is my concern when I first found out that Disney had taken Star Wars, is just that they they have a way of just beating things to death. And my, you know, and I feel like they'll do a great job at first. But my concern is ten years from now when they just think we haven't squeezed enough out of this. You know, can we do can we do prequels on every character? Can we do spinoffs on every character? It's like the my my fear is the glut of Star of Star Wars stuff when they when they run out of what should be their natural run of things ten years from now. But then again, I'll be so old that I'll just be one of those old cranky people being you know I saw Star Wars in the theaters. And, <laughs> Um, so who knows? But but it's almost sort of what I saw in animation, you know, what happened. I feel like the way that that thinking at Disney just kind of soured hand-drawn animation, the way they got so attached to the formula of Little Mermaid and decided everything had to be like that, the way they just sort of had directed video sequels of every single solitary Disney film, I feel like they, they kind of trashed their own brand from overexposure. And, and again... That was a while ago. I mean, these, the life of an executive in Hollywood, like a fruit fly. So, I mean, it's it's a whole, you know, it's probably like three different regimes by by that point. But it is part of that company. And that's probably my, my only real concern about where they're going to go with this thing. Going back to your podcast, Eric, which is uh, Imaginary Worlds. And you can check out the website, imaginaryworldspodcast.org. You've had some really interesting topics. You've had an episode called In Defense of Captain Hook. You've had Action Figure Land, which is actually one of my favorites, and uh, Heroines, where you talk, you study specifically about how female superheroes are, are viewed in the uh, in the public's eye. 
Has there been a show that you've put together that has really surprised you with whether how passionate people have gotten about it or responses you've gotten or just as you've done research, you're like, wow, I just did not know that. That's a good question. Um, let me let me look. These are all very good questions because they're throwing me for a loop and I need to think <laughs> about um, things that surprise me. You know, it's, I, I can't say that there's one particular subject that I got an interesting, passionate response to. But I think what's interesting in a way is that people, people tend to be fans of one thing but not another. And whether they're willing to jump along, you know, they may absolutely they – may, they, you know, like when I go into zombies – a lot of people who are not into zombies like me reacted very negatively. And, you know, I can't believe you made me listen to The Walking Dead. That's horrible. <laughs> you know, or when I did a non-narrated, like the Ron Moore piece was mostly non-narrated. You know, and then before that, I did a um, a radio drama piece just to kind of experiment because I feel like if the show is called Imaginary Worlds, I feel like I need to be imaginative with the way that I do it. You know, I need to sometimes bring you to an imaginary world. Um, it shouldn't be just a really cut and dry show. But it's interesting. People sort of the shifts in the show and the tone and the subject matter sometimes really throws people for a loop. I mean, some people are, are totally into it, and, you know, they're wherever ride you want to go on. The one I did about the, the time travelers of Renwick Street, the sort of that, that ad campaign, yeah, a lot of people were like, why are we talking about an ad campaign? I understand it's got fantasy elements, but, you know, why, you know there, there's a sense of, uh, you know, I don't know. It's 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 sometimes sometimes it's interesting in terms of you think of somebody being you know oh those people say oh, I'm a big geek I'm a big nerd about this or that but I think we all have our own limits as to what it is that we're really interested in. I think that sort of surprised me the most is is that some people are very resistant to to leaping from one subject to another or from one fantasy world to another. Yeah, uh, especially with this subculture, it seems like sometimes change just we don't like change. We like it cut and dry, and it's going like this. Yeah. And I've been warned when I first started my podcast, somebody said, like, don't mess with your format. People people want to tune in every week to hear the same thing. And I just thought, well, but I'm going to get bored, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if that's what I'm doing. And like I said, especially if the show is about imagination, you know, I have to be imagined Absolutely. the way that I put it together. Yeah. And, I, and I want to be more so in the future, but, but it, it does make me a little concerned yeah, understand <laughs> when I get a backlash every time I sort of uh, play with the format a bit. Now, you mentioned something earlier that I kind of want to touch on real quick about podcasting beginning in like 2004, 2005. Would you say right now with the types of podcasts we have out there, you mentioned 99% Invisible, you have Love and Radio, The Kitchen Sisters, Wiretap. Would you say that we are currently in a quote unquote golden age of podcasts? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the point where I think some people are a little concerned whether we're going to reach um, an oversaturation point. I mean, how many podcasts do are, can there be out there where people just say, enough, I cannot listen to all these? And it's sort of a bit of an issue with television right now. You know, there are just only so many shows people can watch. And once you watch them, you want to be into them. You want to binge them. So... But it's it's not just a golden age of podcasts for listeners. It's been an it's exploded the whole industry on the inside in terms of, you know, people uh, these all these networks popping up and they hire people and so they're poaching them from stations. <laughs> so you know suddenly there's this tug and this this tug of war going on between uh, of between talent and where they're going to go and it's shaking things up incredibly on the inside. You know, people, producers and reporters who for a while were just kind of toiling in the in the fields and then all of a sudden they get a show and they become a big podcast star. And it's uh, it's 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 kind of wild. It's It's got a little bit of kind of 
almost like a gold rush, I hate to say, because no one's really making any money off this, but <laughs> it kind of has that feel. You mentioned a concept that I that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, and you mentioned the oversaturation of podcasts. Some people would argue that we're living kind of in the golden age of like the superhero movie and the superhero hype. Do you see the, the, that gold rush ending anytime soon? No, but it has to. If you look at the history of pop culture, there was a time when there was a, cart- a great Tex Avery cartoon in the 50s with guys flipping channels on TV and every single channel is a Western. It's, we're sort of in that. I feel like where we are with superheroes is probably where Westerns were in the mid to late 50s where people just can't get enough of them. But 10 years later, uh, you know, it, it, did we interviewed David Milch once, a uh, creator of Deadwood, who said that <laughs> he said they died like a giant star that blows up, gets really bloated, and then explodes. And I was like, yeah, that really does describe the Westerns of the late, late 60s. Yeah, it will. It will. You know, I, we're not there yet, but I, I think by the time this whole – I mean, they've planned all these Marvel DC movies till early, I don't know, 2021, 20, 20, 2022. It's going to, you know – Eventually, people will get sick of it, but it's so speaking to the zeitgeist right now. I think we are very much, you know, in the midst of it. You mentioned, uh, you know, both the Marvel and DC universes. I don't mean to, you know, touchy subject for a lot of people out there who are probably going to listen. Is there one that you, oh, I'm not going to say favorite, but we'll say find yourself more excited about as time goes on? Um, you know, it's funny, in the way that I kind of find all fantasy universes interesting, even the ones I'm not interested in, I'm, cu- I'm really curious why people are interested in them. So yeah, I'm not going to be like, Marvel sucks, DC's awesome. You know, I find, it's funny because I'm totally a DC person. Like, those are, my, those are my characters. You know, I love the Justice League. But I'm, I'm, it's been, whenever I say that to people who know me well, they're like, that's interesting because you talk about Marvel all the time. <laughs> I'm like, but it's so interesting what they're doing, you know, uh, and the way that it's playing off the comics and the, um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I love DC. Those are, you know, but I'm, 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 I was not crazy about Man of Steel. I'm a little bit nervous about where they're going with all this uh, in terms of tone. I think that Marvel has done an incredible job of making the movies feel like comic books in the way that when you watch, you can watch Age of Ultron for what it is, but at the same time, if you've seen all the other Marvel movies, there's so many Easter eggs there, and there's so much of the way the storylines are all flowing into each other, and the characters are flowing into each other. It feels so much like when you pick up a comic, and and you sort of just have a general awareness of where these characters are at the at the moment, even if you haven't read all their separate issues. And that could just kind of amazes me the way they've done that, and it almost seems effortless the way they've created this. And I remember when they announced after Iron Man that they were going to start doing an Avengers movie, and then there'll be a Thor movie first, and a Captain America movie first. I just thought, oh my God, is that going to work? You know, how are you going to put these characters all in the same film? So I think that what they've done is is just kind of mind-blowing, and, and the fact that it's all, DC, is for me, is almost like the home team I'm rooting for. I'm like, come on, catch up, you guys! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I am more of a DC guy, and Brian's more of a, of a Marvel guy, and you know, Man of Steel was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. It was okay. And you just really, especially with Batman and Superman together for the first time and add in Wonder Woman, you want it to be good. It has to be good. But you always have that little question mark in the back of your head. Yeah, especially because of all the issues I have of Man of Steel that I'm just like, okay, Zack Snyder. Um, and I was very, I mean, like a lot of people, I, my, my immediate reaction to Ben Affleck was, was pretty negative. And, and I actually like Ben Affleck. I mean, I've been rooting for him in terms of becoming a director and doing all these gritty Boston crime stuff. And then I'm like, but I thought he was terrible as Daredevil. I mean, <laughs> um, 
But the fact that the, the, the film actually um, had to be postponed because he looked at the script and said, no, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really like this. And they, I think he put on the guy that wrote Argo to, to rewrite it. He did. Uh, yeah, that, that is encouraging to me. And the fact that he now he's working um, – the fact that he's working with Jeff Johns to – and then he's going to direct a standalone. Like, like I think he's got a great sensibility. So that, that is a bit of a, rel- <laughs> of a relief there. Yeah. Moving on to, to the next question because we've got a couple more for you. You're right now, Imaginary Worlds is kind of on hiatus yeah. uh, until September. Can you give us like a little bit of a, of a preview of what's coming up in the, in the second season? Well, I've actually been working on a, my first episode is going to be on about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which a lot of people have, have said to me, why aren't you doing something about that? And I've talked about the fact that, uh, you know, I've never been a huge fan of sort of the medieval fantasy worlds, but I'm just curious about people who are and why that world, why that appeals to them. And I never played D&D as a kid, so as part of and – and I keep reading about really creative people who are inspired by D&D. So I've actually been going all summer long to this uh, game shop in Brooklyn and playing D&D on Wednesday nights to sort of learn how to play it and, and recording myself while doing it. And then also, you know, I just finished interviewing a bunch of people about it, uh, people who, who, you know, like creative professionals about it. So I'm really psyched about that. And uh, I'm working on an X-Files story and then – and then a, a, I can't really talk too much about it, but there's I, there may be a series of, of of sort of a multi multi part series of sort of episodes that all are kind of about the same thing, almost like kind of a mini series. So that's kind of in the works, and you know I I uh, we'll we'll see uh, uh, more to come about that. You know we've covered like a wide breadth of different mediums to express creativity and imagination, uh, just in the conversation that we've had today, and you've done a lot more on your podcast, but is there, you know, what medium do you find, do you think is the most expressive or captivates your imagination the most frequently? I have to say these days it's film because of digital effects. I mean, the way that you can make, you know, I mean, I feel like when I was growing up, I always felt like my imagination could do so much more with, you know, I'd read Daredevil, and I'd love to see, you know, the or Spider-Man, and but but there was no live-action version of them where they could, re, you know, Spider-Man could really be flying around the city the way that I imagined him in my head. But now there is. I mean, that 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 the, the fluidity and also the sort of lack of limitations uh, with CGI and what it's doing with movies is pretty amazing. But as a former animator, I'm also critical too, and that so it, so it frustrates me when it looks cheesy, <laughs> you know, when it's not done really well. And they sort of – when the people who make it are almost too impressed with what they're doing. And I'm just like, it's, it looks bad to me now. Just And, and I'm telling you, 10 years from now, people are going to look at that and think it looks like a video game. You know, it could be – that's the one thing I feel like is a little frustrating is I just feel like the sort of ground – the realism could be – I hate to say realism. We're talking about superheroes flying around cities. But I feel like it could be – it could be still so much more believable. And it's not for – not just for lack of tools, although I'm sure those will still get better. But also they're also, they're also overwhelmed as well. I mean they'll, they'll have like so many effects shots in one of these films. And they'll have to farm them out to all these different, you know, shops. And so, you know, maybe the stuff that ILM does is great, but that's only like 50% of the, of, the, of the effects in that film. And there's always that one shot 
I mean, my friend Charles, who worked on the Star Wars prequels, who I interviewed in the second episode, he talked about like how they were under such a crunch for Return of the Sith. There's that one shot where um, Anakin lands in the beginning, and R2D2 just flies out of uh, out of the X-wing fighter and just and and, and lands. And he, it's almost cartoony the way he does it. And Charles animated that shot, and he's just like, that bugs me. He's like, I, he, I think he still like lies awake at night, being like, that shot sucked. And he's just like, we were under so we were under such a time crunch to get this thing out. And he's just like, God, he looks like he has no weight, you know, and that's now permanently part of the canon. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's so it's not just a question of like desire, because I know Charles could have done a great job if he just wasn't under such a time crunch. Well, Eric, you know, thank you so much for, for joining us today. We got one final question for you. We work at a college newspaper, college radio station, and we were wondering if you had any advice for any aspiring audio storyteller or any podcasts out there. The first thing I think is just to, is, is just to do a lot of listening, which I'm sure they're already doing, just to listen to an incredibly – there's such a wide variety of storytelling styles out there. And I think it's really important to be really well-versed in, in what they all are. So, I mean, I think that a lot of – you know, and and then after that, if you want to get started, to sort of, and I think this is true with any artistic endeavor, you sort of look at what's out there, you look at the variety of people who are doing things well, and then you kind of try on different hats. You know, what is it like if I do an interview that's sort of like this show, or what is it like if I just do like an intense monologue with music that's just like this show? And so, and I think that's true with every artist. You know, you you look at the people that inspire you the most, and then you just start aping them, to be honest. I mean, that's what, and when I hear artists being interviewed, they always say, yeah, if you look at the first stuff I did, you can tell that I'd love this other artist and everything I was doing was like my version of that. But that's what helped me find my voice to some extent. And, uh, you know, it takes, and, and it's also one of those, it also like every creative endeavor, you kind of just have to do it over and over again and, and experiment for a while. And, and then you get better and better. You know, I used to, when I was younger, any artistic thing I wanted to do, I would sort of plan it obsessively for a really, really long time before I did it because I was always afraid that it would be mediocre. And you just kind of have to make it and allow it to be bad and just, uh, you know, just give yourself a lot of time to play before you, um, because that's the only way you can discover what your voice is, is going to be. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this WXAV.com podcast. Check out WXAV.com for future podcasts. WXAV, the escape from ordinary radio.